What's up, guys? Welcome into a week two edition of Chargers Weekly alongside the voice of the Chargers, Matt Money Smith. I'm Chris Harey. Buddy, Chargers win 2016 in DC. I know we're going to talk a lot of Cowboys today, but I, I just want to get your reaction to what you saw last Sunday, things you liked, things that could potentially carry over into week two. You know, it's interesting is is we flew home um, on the, you know, when we were flying home, we had Wi-Fi, so I had a chance to watch some Sunday night football. I'm kind of watching halftime and then flipping around a little bit and and watching some some different sports shows, you know, little wrap-ups. And it was, it, it, it really was wild to me. And yes, I get it. I, I'm looking at it through powder blue, you know, shaded glasses, but just how how close people thought this game was. And I know the score was close and I know they had to, you know, there were a couple hairy moments there at the end, a third and 16, they had to convert on that final drive and who knows what would have happened. But to me, like the chargers dominated three of the four quarters, you know, the third quarter got away from them. Um, but outside of that it dominated the first half dominated the fourth quarter. And unfortunately, and I think this, you know, kind of what my main takeaway was from the game was, man, if they just clean up some straight execution errors, not like, Oh, we've got to be able to be better in, press coverage, you know, and our wide receivers got to fight to get open and create better separation lanes for her. No, like Williams dropped a touchdown. Keenan Allen dropped a, a ball that would have given him first and goal at the seven. Those things rarely happen. Those guys have some of the best hands in the league. It was probably just week one rust. Those two things occur. And, you know, you're basically walking out of this one going, oh, yeah, the Chargers dominated the game. And now I say that. And then I sort of play the other end of the spectrum, Chris, and say last year or the last four years or whatever, yeah, I'd have been I'd have been breathing a little heavy and be like, oh boy, here we go again. But I, I think you just see the difference in this team and, you know, converting 14 of 18. I don't count the 19th one because it was a, a kneel down converting 14 of 18 third downs. This team just had it going. I mean, they, they really had a they had a great day. They just got to clean up a few mistakes that that led to it being 2016 instead of like 31 16. And you're right. 14 of 18. We haven't seen that money in a decade. The Ravens did it in 2011. The first drive and the last drive. The, the first one couldn't have gone better. Uh, you, you go down the field, you score right away. And then to just kneel after six minutes and 43 seconds having the ball, not even having to score. I mean, just if the offense can play like that consistently, help out your defense, help out your special teams. You know, obviously this is a different test this Sunday with Dak Prescott coming to town and these receivers and, you know, Zeke didn't have a very good game against the Bucs. I think that's going to change. I think they're going to make a concerted effort to get him to football. But when you possess the ball, buddy, for 36 minutes, that's a winning formula. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I mean, and and again, it, it wasn't by, you know, grinding it out on the ground, you know, and, and going three yards, three yards, and then trying to convert a, a third and six or third and four or whatever it might be, you know, that you were faced with. It wasn't like that at all. I mean, they threw the heck out of the ball. They ran effectively. Uh, it seemed like the I mean, I haven't seen clean pockets like that for Herbert. Uh, I haven't seen clean pockets like that for the Chargers since I started calling games. I mean, that's the truth. It was it was easily the best offensive line game that I've seen, you know, here in my fifth year calling games for the Chargers. And and again, it wasn't even close. And this was against a defensive front, you know, with Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, Montez Sweat and Chase Young. So. Buddy, that we've been saying the, the best defensive line in football all last week. That's all we yeah. said every single day. And it doesn't mean that they're not, but 
I was, were, were you, sh- I think that was the, maybe the shocker of, of Sunday was the way Rashawn Slater played after two years of not playing football, 81 snaps, and really the unit as a whole, having never played a snap together as five to, on the field. Yeah. I, I mean, look, Slater was, Slater, they're, they're two, the two stars of that offensive line were Slater and Corey Lindsley. Deron Payne made that you, you just didn't even notice that he was out there and he's a damn good defensive lineman and, and Lindsley took care of that. And Rashawn Slater, you know, I mean, you already know we're, we're so late in the week. Everybody's talking about it. He was so good. They had to move chase young. They moved him to the opposite side. Um, crazy, man. you know, and, and, and they just started picking on that. They basically said, okay, well, we can't pick on the rookie. So now we're running stunts, you know, at Filer and, and Abushi and we're, we're attacking, you know, and, and look credit, Credit Joe Lombardi and Brandon Staley. They adjusted. They, they gave some chips and some tight end help and some running back protection to the other side for Bulaga, who was struggling a little bit because of that injury. It was clear. And then Storm Norton, when he came in, you know, they helped him out. But overall, you know, the line, like I said, as a whole, you had a couple hurries, a couple pressures, you know, the two sacks. But outside of that, man, it was it was a it, it seemed like it was a very comfortable day for for Justin Herbert and man did he spread the ball around you know and that's that's what you love to see it's what he's so good at we're we're taping this on a Thursday I suggest people watch Washington Giants Thursday night we'll see how that defensive line looks against the Giants and then you can really kind of put that performance into context you know Uh, Justin Herbert man he spread it to eight receivers like you said uh, Keenan Allen but I think Mike Williams and the amount of targets that he got, you you mentioned the drop, but they are making a concerted effort to get him the football. And and Joe Lombardi wasn't lying when he said that X receiver gets a lot of action in this offense. If they could spread those targets around evenly between those two guys and then take your shots with Guyton, find cook uh, in the seam. I mean, I mean, there's a lot of possibilities with this offense. My favorite, I think my favorite post game quote, or maybe it was a little bit later in practice. And, you know, when, when Herbert was asked about the lack of, because they're, you know, Austin Eckler got zero targets. Not only did he have zero receptions, he had zero targets. And I just, I love Justin's answer. And it was, we want to push the ball downfield. And my guys did a great job. Our guys did a good, great job of getting open. So when they're open, I'm going to push it downfield. You know, Austin's there because we know if that stuff's covered, I can give it to him. He's going to break a tackle. He's going to make the first guy miss and, and get us our yards. But, when it's open downfield, let's go get it. And and Mike Williams, then he, you know, he was putting dudes in the popcorn machine, you know, and, and, and knocking them out. And we obviously know what Keenan Allen, you know, that final catch, seeing the postgame interview on CBS and him saying, you know, I looked at Chase Young and I said, man, if you guys are really going, man, this thing is over. And, you know, and that's, you know, I had an opportunity to, to talk to Devontae Adams earlier this week for NFL Network stuff I was doing. And I, and I played him that clip. And brought it up and he just started laughing and, and he was talking about how him and Keenan are so close. And, and it was really it was really interesting to hear it from him, you know, and just talking about that particular craft and, and how, you know, he just kept calling Keenan a dog. He's like, man, that guy is just a dog. He goes, not a lot of people do what he does and, and pay attention to to those things that allow because I was like, walk me through this play. Like what when, when he says to Chase, if you guys are in man, this thing's over. What's he see and what's he going through? And he just. You know, he walked through how how hard Keenan and he's like, and, and, you know, there's a few of us in this league. It wasn't me. How hard we work at this, at the routes and recognizing leverage and knowing I've got to win. He goes, and when you see it, you're just like this. I've got to win this. This is a win. It's not even close. And he goes, and that's 
He goes, that's a pretty special thing to have in your, in your mind when you step up to the line of scrimmage. That third and 16, probably the play of the game. Yeah, I want to give credit. I think it was Robert Mays on Twitter that said, Justin Herbert's rise and, and us focusing on him. I think it's great because it just shows you how good Keenan Allen is, right? People will maybe start to take a little bit more notice yeah. just how good the guy is, how he stepped into just a, a relationship with the rookie quarterback last year. And buddy, they, they picked up right where they left off in week one. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, you're, you know, you're crediting Mays and, and there's just so many great people, you know, on social media that can share, you know, different angles or things they noticed that maybe you didn't pick up on. And, and, you know, one of the best is Dan Orlovsky. And, you know, he posted the video of that. I don't know if you saw it of the, of the third and 16, but mm. you know, he was pointing and, and it's something, and, and I love it because it's something that we had heard from, from Joe Lombardi, you know, when things got started and what kind of offense are you going to run and talking about options and, and gray area and, and where, the quarterback and the receiver can, you know, this is what we're suggesting, but if you see something else, go get it. And that's kind of how we, you know, how we teach this offense. And, and as, you know, Dan pointed out by going through that video, you know, just kind of frame by frame, clearly Keenan recognized that safety trying to squat in the middle and just broke it the opposite way where no one was standing. And Herbert saw it before Keenan even broke and he knew that's where Keenan was going to be. And Keenan knew that's where he was going to go. And that ball was out of his hand before Keenan actually made his move. And the fact that you have these two guys on sort of that next level where that was probably not the play call, but because of where the safety ended up moving, it became the play they wanted to run and they did it together without, you know, they did it together independently and came to that conclusion of a first down deep in their own territory that was the critical play of that six-minute, 45-second drive to run out the clock and win the game. And, buddy, now it's the Cowboys week two. Uh, we got a great show today. Daniel Popper of The Athletic going to join us a bit later. Uh, but first, Ed Werder of ESPN knows the Cowboys better than anybody. He knows the NFL just about better than anybody, too. He's going to join us to preview Bolts Cowboys. Yeah, and I'll tell you, um, you know, you, you just you hate to see it with injuries. And, and it was something that that obviously the Chargers know better than any other team in the league. But man, the Cowboys had a rough go of it last year, as rough as any team, particularly when you're talking about an all pro level quarterback that can change the game by himself and what he's able to do in back Prescott. But I mean, I, I went back, you know, I always like to watch a couple games if I can, you know, just to sort of get a feel of, of where my eyes should be when I'm calling the game. And Man, Demarcus Lawrence is a load, and he was a load for Tampa in that game. And you know, it's just it sucks that that you get an injury like that, and he's going to be out for at least six to eight weeks. You know, if not the, the whole season. You know, I was really is it is it great for the Chargers? You know, to win, sure, but I was looking forward to another week of seeing. Man, it's one thing to do it against you know Chase Young, who's kind of young in the game, but to get a savvy vet, one of the best pass rushers like Demarcus Lawrence against Rashawn Slater, that was going to be a lot of fun to, to see how that was going to turn out. And we're not going to see it. We're not going to see Randy Gregory, you know, because of COVID. So it's always a bummer when, when you don't get the best of both teams clashing and seeing, you know, kind of how it all works out. So that's that sucks. They get Zach Martin back. So that's obviously going to be great to, to watch the defensive line and, you know, who had a great game, by the way. I think the offensive line overshadowed how great the defensive front played, specifically Joey Bosa. I mean, he had an awesome game against Washington. All right, buddy, let's bring in ESPN's Ed Werder, who's going to be at SoFi Stadium this Sunday for Chargers-Cowboys. And Ed, buddy was just talking about it. Uh, some tough injury news for the boys just a few days out from this one. Yeah, I mean, 
you know, Mike McCarthy's going to coach his 18th game with the Cowboys. And I'm not sure he's coaching games at this point as so much as he's trying to manage a personnel crisis. Hmm. I mean, it's week two of the season and a guy who, you know, came into Dallas last year because he was attracted to, you know, the fact he had a talented group of offensive players led by Dak Prescott, who had never missed a game. And then Prescott misses 11 games last year. Um, they lost Tyron Smith for all but two games. Lael Collins missed the entire season. Zach Martin, who had always been so dependable, missed uh, six games. And now here they are going into this game with, in all likelihood, without both their starting defensive ends, um, without uh, Lael Collins, who tested positive for, um, you know, or, or has violated the substance abuse policy. So he's out again. He's going to play one game out of 18 possible games for McCarthy at right tackle. And so this is a hugely disadvantaged team going into this game. At the same time, I know one of the, one of the reputations that Mike um, had early in his career in Green Bay was as long as he had his starting quarterback, he was able to create a competitive team or a competitive game with whatever personnel he had available at the time. And I know one of the things he tells his players is, hey, when I won my Super Bowl championship in Green Bay in 2010, we had a 53-man roster as we do now. We used 77 players that season. And so that kind of seems like it's the perfect point for him to make to this uh, injury-decimated team going into Sunday's game against the Chargers. And uh, I'll tell you the one thing that, that really jumped out at, at me <laughs> from the season opener uh, against Tampa is there's so much excitement, and rightfully so, around CeeDee Lamb. But do you feel like Amari Cooper is almost – underrated and not mentioned enough because man we were reminded that he is one of the best receivers in the league and can bust up any quarterback that's a cornerback that's trying to stick him a little too tight yeah he he does an amazing job of creating you know separation and even though he was a first round draft pick and then the Cowboys surrendered a first round draft pick to acquire him in a trade with the Raiders three years ago you know if you look at the way they've structured his contract they've left themselves an out after this season and I think everybody believed going into the year that, it, you know, Michael Gallup in all likelihood was, was going to be the odd man out at the receiver position going into next year. Um, and, and Amari Cooper spoke last week about, hey, I, I think I'm the best receiver in football. Have I proven that? No, I haven't proven that. But I think I am the best receiver in football. Well, what he did the other night against uh, Tampa Bay was a great reminder of the high level of skill that he still possesses. Um, what 13 catches two touchdowns he's he's really a high quality player who does get overlooked because of the excitement about cd lamb and what i think is fascinating about this game you alluded to it before we got on here uh, do the cowboys try to just score as much as possible with those receivers or do they try to establish a run a little bit with ezekiel elliott who did not much of anything uh, in the opener. Uh, I, I saw a stat on the Cowboys website. They're 0-8 when Zeke has 45 yards or fewer rushing. Uh, the, the Chargers allowed 4.7 yards of rush uh, against the, the Washington football team. I, I just wonder how you think this game may shake out a little bit. I have a great uh, sense of curiosity about how McCarthy approaches it from an offensive point of view as well. Um, you know, it's unmistakable that if you look at Dak Prescott, his last three games, he's thrown 57 or more passes prior. Crazy. That's in six games under McCarthy. And in one of the games he got hurt, you know, in the first half. So he didn't get a chance to, uh, to, to make a lot of throws, but 
So they, he said 57 throws in six games under Mike McCarthy. And prior to that, prior to this stretch of games, he never attempted uh, 50, 55 or more passes in a game. Now, last year, I think you could argue they were forced to do it because, you know, they turned the ball over. They got behind early. They had, they had a, a franchise, you know, worst defense. And could they be in that? Could that be the mindset going into this game, figuring, man, we are, we are so injured on the defensive side of the ball. We're not going to be able to contain these guys. They're going to score. Um, or is it, um, you know, do they, do they throw it a lot because they think that like last week, I thought it was, you know, kind of game specific opponent specific that they threw the football like they did last week. Uh, they didn't think they could run against that front seven. That's probably the best front seven in football. I would guess that McCarthy's going to have a far more balanced approach, at least at the outset of this game and try and establish Ezekiel Elliott, calm everything down. I mean, they've got, you know, Terrence Steele's an undrafted uh, player who started 14 games at right tackle as a rookie last year. He's likely to get the start against Joey Bosa, who took all but seven snaps across from the opponent right tackle last week. We're talking about a $27 million pass rusher against a $680,000 pass protector. That's a huge mismatch for the Cowboys. I'm sure they'd like to avoid that. And so I would think this would be a game where Elliott gets an opportunity to have an effect uh, with the ball in his hands, unlike last week where he was basically a, uh, a sixth offensive lineman as a blitz pickup guy, which he did willingly and well. Yeah. And, and look, uh, I think it's understandable why we get, you know, so much conversation surrounding the offense because, boy, there's so much there for for Mike McCarthy to figure out. Like you said, I mean, you, you know, you can throw up 57 times because you have the talent, you know, and Dak is so good and those receivers are so good. I'm more interested. I'm really interested in the defensive side of the ball, uh, a because you're down your two pass rushers. And as I said before you came on, Ed, that sucks. It just it's such a bummer. That, that Randy Gregory's out with the COVID stuff. Maybe, maybe he can get back, don't know. But that Demarcus Lawrence, you know, unfortunately sustained that injury. But Micah Parsons, I, I went back and I was watching the game and it was interesting to see how they deployed him. There was, I think of, of his kind of three pressures or quarterback hits, one was a stump, but the other was him just straight beating his man. Kind of what, what have you figured out or what have you heard sort of how they want to use Micah Parsons, like the best way that they feel he can impact the game. Because I'm wondering if we're just going to see him rush the passer a lot because of what's absent on that side of the the, the ball. Yeah, I mean, with uh, Demarcus Lawrence, they lose, you know, 45 and a half career sacks. If Gregory doesn't play, they lose 10 and a half career sacks. Um, and, and behind them, they really don't have a lot. The next uh, guy in terms of being a sack leader would be Jalen Smith uh, with nine. Yes. And, and so I think, you know, Dan Quinn's the first-year defensive coordinator. I think he's got to get creative. He's going to have to scheme pass rush. And I think you're right. He's going to have to figure out a way to get some rush out of Jalen Smith and get some pass rush out of Micah Parsons. It's interesting that even though Parkins, uh, Parsons is, you know, their first-round draft pick and, and a linebacker, he, he actually warms up and takes reps in training camp with the defensive ends. Uh, so they've worked a lot on his pass rush ability. I would think that he's going to be put in that situation where he's coming off the edge an awful lot in this game. Ed, what do you think the Cowboys are saying about the Chargers? They played the Washington football team. I'm sure Cowboys fans watched that. Um, it's an unfamiliar opponent, Justin Herbert's second year. Uh, we know how good he is in, in the offensive line. You talk about Parsons. He and Rashawn Slater drafted 12 and 13 last year um, had uh, probably as, as good of a, an opening 
uh, game that you could have as a rookie? Yeah, I mean, uh, Brandon Staley uh, really was enthusiastic about the whole offensive line. I mean, if you look at what they did last week, it's remarkable considering the makeover in terms of, what, four different starters now on that offensive line from a year ago when last year the Chargers were the worst-ranked run-blocking offensive line in football, and they were 31st in the NFL in pass protection. And to go out against Washington, which might have the best front you know, front four in football and, and they can rotate six guys in and to, you know, give Justin Herbert a chance to throw from a clean pocket as often as he did in that game, what he was rushed. Like, I think he was put under duress just 12% of the times, like the fourth best rate in the league week one against arguably the best opponent. Um, so, yeah, I think that that speaks volumes for where this team is most improved. And I, I think the other advantage that, Um, the Chargers have in this game is that Brandon Staley's coached against this Cowboy offense before he he did it week one last year when he was with the Rams and it was a much different offensive approach at that time than it is now but I think he has the advantage of having a sense for their personnel and what they're really like and how to scheme against them so you talk about the injuries they have and then you add that factor in um, and I think it's a big advantage for the for the Chargers Um, and, and I give uh Brandon Staley, a lot of credit because um, I think there was concern about him coming in and changing the offense on, on Justin Herbert after the year he had as a rookie. Um, But he told me yesterday when we spoke about, he wanted to build, create an offense for Justin Herbert, not bring an offense that he had used elsewhere. Joe Lombardi had used elsewhere, create this for him in consideration with the skill people he had around him and at least they've achieved that to a certain degree. Last thing for me, Ed, um, just, it was a heck of a game against Tampa. I mean, it, you know, you think about, you have the, the victory in your pocket with 90 seconds left and it's just Tom Brady on the other side that leads to a loss. Like what, how would you describe this week for them? Is it, is it, is it panic if they lose? Is it desperation? Do they desperately need to win this game? Like, what would you say the feeling is out there? Yeah, I'm sure there is a sense of desperation. You know, they're they're one of three teams that's, you know, gone the longest without having an 0-2 start. It's Green Bay, um, uh, New England, and Dallas that have gone the longest period of time without having um, an 0-2 start. The Cowboys' last one was with Tony Romo in 2010. Um, You know, history tells us that only 10% of the teams that start 0-2 make the playoffs at all, much less advance once they're there. Given their flaw now with the injury situation, I'm sure they hope situation where they keep the game close enough that they have a chance to win. This was always going to be a hard game for them to win. And, you know, I, I know that I had said when the schedule came out, look, the Cowboys could be a really talented team and they could play really well and they could still start 0-2 because you're playing at the Chargers. Those are two really high quality teams, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm sure there's a, a level of desperation and concern about the direction. Um, but I think there's also a really strong belief that as long as they have Dak Prescott, you know, they can compete with anybody on a week to week basis. Um, it's only been we saw we saw what happened to them emotionally. I think when Dak went out last year, the whole team just psychologically collapsed. They knew they had no chance. The only guy they have who's capable of overcoming all of the shortcomings they had last year and maybe the same, some of the same ones they have now again um, is Dak Prescott. Well, the Cowboys will have had 10 days to stew on that week one loss. They'll be 
at SoFi Stadium on Sunday. So will Ed Werder. Ed, can't thank you enough for your time this morning and uh, look forward to seeing you in Inglewood. Great to see you guys and look forward to seeing those powder blue uniforms in live and in person at SoFi yeah. Stadium. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> the you star. Go. It's a pretty special <laughs> uniform matchup. Thank you, Ed. All right, buddy. Let's bring him on. Daniel Popper, The Athletic, a.k.a. Hops with Pop on Sundays after games. Have you, have you joined that yet, Money? Yeah, you, you have a beer with Daniel Popper after a game and, and talk about what happened. I do not. I have, uh, I have whiskey on my own by myself because I'm a lonely <laughs> drunk. That's what I do after games. <laughs> that, that's how I cool down. I, I've got whiskey in a, in a hydro flask that I smuggle <laughs> and, uh, and I pour one over ice. What whiskey? Because I part of the Hops with Pop campaign is trying to get sponsored by Buffalo Trace, which we're failing at currently, but doesn't mean we'll stop trying. Yeah, I like Buffalo Trace. I mix it up. Um, I think this time, believe it or not, this time I brought some Canadian whiskey. I brought some, uh, well, Canadian rye. I just brought some Crown Rye, which I like a lot. It's got go. that little, um, I don't know what color the label is. Obviously, it's not purple. Um, but yeah, it's Canadian um, rye whiskey, and it's good. It's a little sweet, you know. What the hell? Start the season, have a little extra sugar. Love it. Live stream, live stream the conversations, though, buddy, with the whiskey. Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and just kind of keep those to myself. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep me sipping my whiskey to myself in the corner, in my corner, all alone, playing with my horse racing machine and and looking at stats. <laughs> popper, popper. Uh, before we get to the Cowboys, man, uh, just. Put a put a bow on week one in D.C., what you liked and, and what you're expecting moving forward. Yeah, so, I mean, the biggest storyline that we talked about heading into this game was how this new-look offensive line would show up against one of the best defensive fronts in football, and they were plain and simple excellent. I mean, it starts with Rashawn Slater at left tackle, who looks like he's going to be a stud. Um, you know, we were talking about before we came on. I finally got my hands on the All-22. It looked like he had a really good game live. It looked like he had a really good game checking the TV tape, but then you watch – the all 22 and you realize this guy is going to be a stud. Um, Corey Lindsley, I thought had a fantastic game, just the whole unit in general, just giving Justin Herbert the pass protection that he didn't have last year, particularly on third down. And when you talk about a team going 14 for 19 on third down, um, it really was 14 for 18 because the kneel down at the end of the game was a third down. So, so um, money said, yeah, you talk about that. And then Keenan Allen had a drop on a third down, which was very uncharacteristic. So it's really 14 to 17. But when you do that, you need good pass protection. Um, and Justin Herbert was pretty much untouched on all these third downs. And, and you see what he's capable of when he has pass protection. It's a thing of beauty because he was firing the ball all over the field. And, and that's got to be the biggest takeaway here is that the offensive line showed up and that allowed Justin Herbert to, to really flourish. And looking into the future, you expect that pass protection to continue and expect Justin Herbert to continue to ascend as a quarterback in this league. Yeah. And I think, you know, when, when you talk about watching it back, Popper, it's, it's one thing to, to maybe not have any pressure on the quarterback and, oh, what it, the difference is when you look at it and you look at how it happened, like Rashawn Slater just straight stoned those guys. I mean, he was not bending back. It wasn't like Herbert got rid of the ball right before his guy could get there. Slater pitched a freaking shutout. And, yeah. you know, when I went back and, and look, they, they had one, uh, I think they had one hurry that they said he allowed and I watched it and I was trying to freeze frame it as best as possible. And I mean, Montez sweats so long, so he might've had his hand on his throat, but I swear he had his face mask and pulled him forward to get that beat. So that was the only time a guy got close to Herbert. And I swear it was an illegal hands to the face by sweat. Like it was crazy how good he was. Yeah. And then even adding to that in the running game, yeah. like he is a beast in the run game. I just like going over that first drive, like they were just running behind him. 
They were like, this guy is dominating. And he was going up against Chase Young on every rep. And he was just creating, you know, parting the Red Sea for Austin Eckler, for Larry Roundtree. It, it was really impressive what, what he was able to do in the run game as well, I think. So, Popper, it's the Dallas Cowboys now. Uh, a much different offense than Washington. Uh, the receivers, man, just in general, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper. I mean, there's so much firepower on the field. Uh, but we were talking about Ezekiel Elliott. He, he didn't do much against Tampa, who had the, the best rushing defense at football last year. Uh, I think they're going to make a concerted effort to get him the football and, and get him some touches, maybe control the clock a little bit. Uh, how worried do you think the Chargers need to be of Ezekiel Elliott? You got to be worried about Ezekiel Elliott because you're getting Zach Martin back on this offensive line, arguably you know, the best guard in football you know, in, in the competition there with Quentin Nelson for that title. But you bring a guy like that back, who is just an elite run blocker. And that's obviously going to open some things up for Ezekiel Elliott. You know, you know, you can't put too much stock in a week one performance. You can't say, okay, Dak threw 57 times. And this is what the offense is going to look like, especially when you're missing a player like Zach Martin. So you got to prepare for it all in my opinion. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you, you look at the performance last week with, you know, and Linval had some nice plays in there. I think they probably want a little bit more from Jerry for sure. Um, but at the same time, it's hard for me to sort of reconcile like what kind of running day what kind of running afternoon did Washington have because Antonio had just kind of that one big run yeah and yeah. if you take it out it's like less than four yards per carry but then every time I, he touched the ball I felt like he was falling forward for five yards so I can't quite it's hard for me to figure out what the run defense is right now I, I don't quite know but like just knowing that Bose is so good in run support having Derwin out there flying all over the field I think he kind of went under the radar a little bit what a great game he had yeah. uh I, I don't know. Do you know, Popper, what like what your what is your vibe on the run defense of the Chargers? Yeah, I mean, it's an area of, I would say, concern, in my opinion, just because Justin Jones is such a key part of what they're doing on run defense. He obviously had that tackle for loss right after that 27 yard run you're talking about, but he left right. the game with cramps. Um, you know, it was really that one run. And what happened was, is Michael Davis just missed a tackle. And then Brandon said that, you know, Kenneth Murray came on a blitz there and he needed to be a little thicker. You take that away. Antonio Gibson averaged 3.3 yards per carry. So it's hard to say that they didn't perform well. Um, but just moving forward, like the depth that they have on the defensive line is just something that has always been in the back of my mind as like, okay, this could definitely pop up later in the season. Like they're kind of one injury away from really having some big question marks there. They need Linval Josephs to stay healthy. Because when he's in there, he's just a, he's a he's a run stuffer. He's obviously an enormous human yeah. being, and he's really hard to move. If he's in, he's an aging player, so you lose him. That's a concern. Even losing Justin Jones, you have to bring in a guy in Eric Banks who, who they just signed, you know, off waivers after after cut down day. So if they stay healthy, I think they'll be okay. Um, but you know, you talk about going up uh, up against an elite offensive line in the Cowboys, and, and it'll be a bigger test for this unit. And we'll see if Justin Jones, you know, ends up playing. I'm, I'm anxious, you know, because Eric Baines was active. Uh, I'm anxious to see if they rotate. And, and because I thought Fajoko and, you know, and Forrest Merrill all had really good, you know, preseasons and training camps. And I'm, I'm wondering whether or not we're going to see maybe that, that sort of role rotate as they try to find someone, like you said, because I do think there are some depth questions on the interior of that line and, and whether or not we might see one of those two guys here and, and see if, you know, they can try to figure out what, what pieces of that puzzle fit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I thought Forrest Merrill was really, really good in training camp. Yeah. Um, and he showed up in those preseason games just as strictly as a run defender. Like, you don't really need him to be 
a pass rusher there. Like if he can provide depth at that nose tackle spot and just be a reliable run stuffer, then he provides value, which I think is why he was on the 53 man to begin with. But, you know, you show up and and outside of one really mistake, you know, you hold a team to 3.3 yards per carry. You got to walk away feeling pretty good about it. I think Popper, the back end, specifically the younger guys, uh, Asante Samuel Jr., and and I call Michael Davis a younger guy just because he he is younger. It's a new system. How do you think those corners held up against Washington's receivers? I thought Asante played really well. Um, And you just – when you watch him play, you just – the competitiveness, the physicality of his game just jumps out right away. And, you know, Brandon has ever since he took this job, when we've asked him about what he's looking for in a corner, even before they took Asante Samuel Jr., he always brings up the ability to show up and, and run support. And that's something that Asante Samuel Jr. did at a really high level um, in this game against Washington. Uh, you know, obviously he had that pass interference penalty down the field. When we asked Brandon Staley about it, he said that Nas Adderley actually made a poor read there and Asante was help, expecting help over the top. So obviously anytime you have a play in football, there's a million things going on that factor into what actually happened. But the fact that he came back from that and made some big plays in this game, like on the very next series, he had they went right at him and he had two really nice plays in coverage on second and third down. He obviously, you know, ends up forcing that turnover, helping force that turnover when he slides down in run defense. So I really liked what I saw from him. Michael Davis, I thought was inconsistent. Um, you know, on that Terry McLaurin catch down the sideline, um, you know, he got beat off the line of scrimmage and, and made a legal contact there. Um, so I, I still need to see more from him. And then same with Nas Adderley. We can group him in here with these young defensive backs. You know, I, I did a ranking of the 20 most important players to the Chargers' success in the offseason. And I had Nas Adderley at number 11. Because if this is going to be an elite defense, he needs to play at a high level. Like, you need two really good safeties there. It can't just be Derwin. And, you know, the frustrating thing for me when I watched Nas is, like, when he was coming out of college, he was known as this ball hawk. Like, he was a guy that was going to go get you the football. And it just hasn't materialized so far in the NFL. And it's, and I sit there and scratch my head, like that play along the sideline to Terry McLaurin, like, I don't understand how a guy who's developed this reputation as a ball hawk can't make a play on the ball there. And so I think we need to see a little bit more from, from Nas Adderley here moving forward. If this is really going to be the defense that Brandon Staley wants it to be. Yeah. I'll just piggyback that, uh, Daniel. And like the one thing that really jumped out at me specifically from Asante was tackling just yeah. what a sound tackler he was. And you think about this team in years past and how many freaking missed tackles, you know, caused two-yard plays or, or potentially behind the scrimmage tackles into 10 and 15-yard gains. And, man, that just jumped out at me. You mentioned his physicality, but, like, just the sound tackling. And, you know, the one play that's that's obvious was the the three-yard loss that, that led to a 51-yarder from, from – um, from Hopkins that didn't go through. And that was all Asante. Like that's like, I, I just think it's such an underrated, you know, a bit, uh, an underrated characteristic that you need from your corners. And man, Asante was so impressive and solid in his tackling. 100%. Popper special teams. It was a topic all off season. We saw all the, all the drills that went into uh, trading camp and, and how much they focused on it. Uh, they punted twice, Vizcaino, two of two, made both his extra points. Uh, as far as kick return, punt return, what'd you see there? Yeah, I mean, there was no catastrophic moment. And that is a step forward from last year. Now, were there things to clean up? Absolutely. Um, the first punt of the game, KJ Hill let that drop in front of him and bounced 18 yards. They lost 18 yards of field position. I know Brandon Staley brought that up. You know, Ty Long's first punt of the game was probably – 
like down the middle a little bit too much and uh, gave Carter, the return man, a little bit of a two-way go there, ended up turning into a 14-yard gain. Um, so just a, a few things to clean up. But Tristan Vizcaino making his kicks um, was really, really big. And then Carter also had like a 31-yard return on a, on a kickoff uh, where the leverage broke down on the right side. But just little things, right? Stuff no. that you can fix. Nothing that was detrimental enough for them to, to, you know, to lead to them losing the game. And considering what happened last year, that has to be a step forward. And, and credit to Darius Swinton. I mean, there are a lot of young players on these core four units. Like you look at it, it's, you know, rookies like Nick Neiman and Chris Rump. It's second year players like Alohi Gilman. Um, you know, the most experienced guy out there is like Kyler Fackrell and Drew Tranquil. And Drew's really only had one season. He's like considered this really vet savvy guy, but he's only played one year after missing all of last year. So it's going to be a work in progress, obviously, with the number of young players they have. But the mistakes weren't catastrophic. And I think that is obviously a feather in the cap for for this coaching staff. Yeah, the two things that, that, that jumped out to me most, um, the first field goal that, that Vizcaino kicked, uh, it was right in front of us. And he kicked that damn ball so hard. I don't know if you saw this, Daniel. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. Because people, you're not going to see it on TV, right? You're not going to see it on the film because it's going to be out of the frame. He kicked it so hard that it went over the net and it went into the concourse. I'm not kidding. It cleared the first <laughs> section of seats and it reminded me of, I think the way I described it on the air, I said that was like Barry Bonds hitting that homer off Troy Percival in the World Series. It went <laughs> into the concourse, not the seats. And I think that's kind of what they were talking about, right? They were in, in the kicking competition, they're like, look, this guy has got special leg talent. And when you were talking about the return, the 30-yard return, um, we asked, I don't remember if we asked Tom or, or, or Coach Staley about it, Tom Telesco, but they had pointed out that they're trying different things, that Tristan's so talented that they were, okay, let's let's see if we can pop this thing up and drop it at the one and get our coverage right. And when they had that breakdown, they were like, yeah, just kick it out of the back of the end zone. And like, that's something they did not have with Badgley. And to me, it was such a detriment um, that they had to deal with when you had really good returners and you constantly saw these balls drop at the seven or the six. And now to have a guy that, that can do whatever you ask, pop it up, put it at the one. Let's see if we can get it, you know, at the 17 or 18 instead of the 25 and then not just put it out of the back of the end zone. To me, that's such a, a big gain. And then just to, to back up what you were saying on the punt, I tell you, man, I, I you know, I, I love Ty and it's clear the players love him because he's a captain, but man, that operation scares me because he climbs, he climbs that pocket and he takes a little bit of time and I'm just holding my breath every time he's about to boot that thing away. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I mean, that's really what differentiated Tristan, you know, and, and the reality is this coaching staff is very confident, despite the fact that they don't have a lot of experience, they're very confident in their ability to teach and groom young players. And I think they look at it and they say, okay, we, we see the talent here. It's obvious this guy has a more talented leg than Badgley. And we trust ourselves to get the most out of him and turn him into a consistent kicker. This is a big step. I mean, this guy has not kicked a lot in the NFL and to go out there and to hit both of his kicks and look the way he did, um, I think, is is really important for this team moving forward from a special teams perspective. Yeah, that's a great call. Popper, let's push you forward to Sunday, man. Uh, what are a few things that you're going to keep your eye on with the Dallas Cowboys coming to town? They've been off for 10 days. They're 0-1-1. They have an explosive offense. Uh, they've been decimated by injuries over the last couple of days. It's, a, it's an interesting matchup against another NFC East opponent. Yeah, I mean – I think the Chargers passing offense could be in store for a huge day. Like, I really, really believe that, um, you know, just looking at the depth chart of the Cowboys secondary, it's Trayvon Diggs and then 
no one that really yeah. scares me. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously Chargers fans are really familiar with the defensive scheme that Dan Quinn runs. It's a lot of cover three. I think they're going to be mixing it up a little bit more, just looking at, you know, the PFF splits, uh, you know, zone versus man from their opener. It might be a little bit more man coverage than, than Gus ran, but the crux of the defense is the crux of the defense and they're not going to throw a ton of disguise at you. And Justin Herbert is going to eat that up if he gets pass protection. Um, and then you talk about just how talented Keenan Allen and Mike Williams are like, that's going to be the offense. Like if you don't have the guys to cover those two receivers, you're going to be in trouble. And a lot of teams don't have the cornerback talent to match up with both of those guys because they're immensely, immensely talented. And, and I'll, I'll repeat this again. If Justin Herbert gets the kind of protection that he got in this opener against Washington, he's going to be an MVP candidate. Like he's just that talented in terms of his arm, in terms of how much better he is at reading defenses and knowing what opposing defenses are trying to do to him. Like if he gets protection, he's going to be excellent because of the talent around him because of how good he is. Um, so that's really what I'm watching. Like I think it could be a huge day there. And then obviously, you know, Dak is really, 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 really good. And I think something that gets overlooked with Dak is just how cerebral he is and how he, how well he operates at the line of scrimmage. So it's going to be a really fascinating chess match there uh, between Brandon Staley's defense and obviously this high-powered, uh, you know, Cowboys passing attack. So some really fascinating matchups on both sides of the ball, I think. I'm, a- I'm anxious to see uh, the three-by-one over route on the Chargers side of offense <laughs> as opposed to us constantly seeing that lineup and going, oh, boy, that's, yeah. that's, uh, that's Kenneth trying to carry that inside, that three-man. This is not going to be fun. I'm, I'm anxious yeah. to see it the other way, whether it's Guyton <laughs> yeah. or – or Palmer or Keenan, whoever that that three man is, I want to see it from the Chargers side. Yeah, finally. Popper, uh, we'll get you out here on this. Uh, what's going to decide the game? What's going to decide the game? I would say uh, the Chargers secondary and and how they hold up because I look at it and I think it's a good unit, right? Like it's hard to say that the secondary isn't good when they have Derwin James, who is an all pro safety when he is on the field. I just feel like they have some weak links. And I, and we were talking about it earlier, like Nasir Adderley, I felt like did not have a very good game against Washington and he needs to play better. And the quarterback is going to be much better in this game than against Washington. Um, Asante Samuel Jr. Obviously we talked about it. We love what he did on Sunday, but he's a rookie corner and you're going to have ups and downs. And, you know, this week it's going to be, you know, either Amari Cooper or CD lamb, right. You know, obviously Terry McLaurin is a really good player, but you know, Diami Brown is, was their number two receiver in that game. And it's, it's, it's a different animal, right. Going up against CD or Amari Cooper. Um, Michael Davis, I think needs, like I said earlier, needs to, needs to play a little better. So there are some weak links to exploit here. Can these young players and guys who we think need to play a little better, can they get there in this game? Can they take that next step against a really good quarterback and a really good passing offense? To me, that's the matchup I'm going to be watching. And I think if Brandon Staley can get these guys playing uh, at a high level, these young players, um, then the Chargers should, should have a victory on Sunday. Um, but if they continue to, to have some mistakes and some slip ups, um, Dak Prescott's going to exploit them. There's no question about that. Popper, we'll see you on Sunday, man. Fans love your content. Always appreciate your time and coming on. And uh, we'll see you at SoFi Stadium, dude. Big one. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Popper. All right, buddy. Good stuff from Popper and Ed Werder as we get ready for Sunday, man. Your your first game at SoFi with fans in the stands calling the game. Yeah, I got to be better. I'll tell you, Chris, I, um, I wasn't used to it and I, and I had kind of 
sort of screamed my voice out by the third quarter because I'm just, I wasn't used to all that noise around me. And you're Excited. used to hearing your voice. Yeah, you're used to hearing your voice in your ear when you call a game through your headphones. And I couldn't hear it. So I just kept talking louder and louder and louder because it was the crowd noise that was uh, causing me to not be able to hear it. And it, it took me a half to figure out what was going on and why my voice was getting a little thin. So uh, got that out of the way, ready to go. I mean, SoFi is loud. That is a loud stadium. So I am most definitely uh, looking forward to it on Sunday, especially I mean, to open up against the Cowboys. My gosh, it's going to be unbelievable. A lot of juice going to be in that building. Yeah, it, it was loud with no fans in the stands last year. Just the, the speaker system and everything. Then right. you add 70,000 people, man. It's a different animal. We can't wait to see you out there. That's going to do it for us. A big thanks to Ed Werder, Daniel Popper. Be sure to download and subscribe to the Chargers Podcast Network, wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can watch full video episodes on Chargers.com and the Chargers official YouTube channel. So check that out. Enjoy the game on Sunday. For Matt Buddy Smith, I'm Chris Hayreeth.